Hello there, and welcome to episode four of Turning Tracks. My name is Matt. And I'm Chris. And we're here to talk about the music that we love. For today's episode, we're going to be talking about a group that have been a constant in my life as a human being, uh, because that's what I am and that's what I tell everybody else I am, uh, but because <laughs> they've been around for as long as I've been alive. Reach out and touch faith as we listen to the sounds of Depeche Mode. Chris? Well, hello, Matt. What's going on, buddy? Nothing. Just enjoying our little doubleheader. Yeah. Um, for those of you that do or do not know, we have uh, recorded an episode of the Waveback Podcast, which is our uh, other podcast, um, not more than uh, 45 minutes ago. And yeah. we're pulling double duty, and we're doing the newest uh, installation of, of podcast called Turning Tracks. We appreciate you checking it out. Um. Very briefly, it's about the music that makes me and Chris's worlds go around, respectively. So, uh, as musicians, as a sound engineer as I am, I love music, and uh, me and Chris love talking about music, and so we decided that it would be a really neat idea if we took the music that we enjoyed, that we didn't necessarily already overlap on, and uh, let each other check it out. And then you guys get to listen to the results. Of this wacky experiment. <laughs> and it's been pretty fun so far. I'm uh, I'm jazzed about this one. I don't know very much outside of the song that you referenced in the beginning. I don't know much about this band. So this is going to be almost all new to me. That's right. So um, one of the things that I kind of take into heavy consideration uh, so far has been um, I, I, I feel like the band that i'm choosing has singles that everybody knows right depeche mode has and we'll we'll go into a little bit of their history their their formation and stuff but they've they formed in 1980 right so they've been around for 40 years and uh in 40 years the high you know they're they're a global phenomenon global success right everywhere they go they sell out concerts it's impossible to not know a single depeche mode song right um, and their singles are massive, 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 massive hits, right? Covered by other artists, too. They've been in movie trailers and all kinds of things, uh, you know, slowed down tempos with female ethereal singers singing them and stuff like that. <laughs> and, and you, Chris, you're laughing because I know you know what I'm talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> um, you know, and just to name a few of their massive singles, right? We're talking about uh, Enjoy the Silence, which is probably their biggest hit of all time. Uh, the reference I made up front is uh, Personal Jesus, which was also covered by Marilyn Manson. Um, you know, so what I what I aim to do is to kind of look for some deeper, deeper cuts, so to speak, not deep cuts, but some deeper cuts than the than the singles. And it was really hard for this band. And, and I'll talk about that in a moment. Um, so do you have any working knowledge of Depeche Mode? Just as a band, um, really just more as a cultural touchstone. Um, I, you, I know the name. I know, you know Personal Jesus. I know uh, the covers. I, I obviously heard the hits, but I have never, ever delved deeper into this band than just the, the, the merest of surface level stuff. Um, and not for, and not for a, a lack of interest per se, but they're, I was born in 81, so they're you know, slightly older than I am as far as just being a band, and obviously as humans, they're older than I am. 
Um, so it's, uh, I never looked into more of it because I think when this band was at the height of its popularity, I wasn't in a position to do a lot of seeking out of new music. Like, I don't know what they were releasing in the, the, the late nineties and stuff like that. That was, that was really my, uh, you know, the, the, that scene as it were. Um, so I, I, I got nothing. I, I, I got nothing except, uh, excitement to learn. That's, that's what I've got today. I'm so happy that you actually said the 90s because um, when I sat down to do this, right, uh, to do this particular band, I had no idea where I was going to start, right? So like I did with my previous episode of White Zombie, go listen to it. I started at the beginning of their catalog, whatever was available. And to be quite frank, I listened to a couple albums that I don't think as a fan of Depeche Mode I had ever listened to before which was kind of the same thing with White Zombie. Not because in White Zombie's case, they weren't really readily available. Um, I, just, I just didn't. It just never happened. You know, we, you and I grew up in a time where the internet wasn't necessarily a thing, right? To get uh, records and stuff, you had to go to a record store. And if they didn't have it, you probably didn't know it existed. You know? Yeah, I mean, you'd hear a song on the radio and then you'd be like, well, I like this song. Let's see if I like this band. So you go to the record store and buy your audio cassette or CD or what have you and listen to the rest of it and say, well, no, I don't like the rest of this band. <laughs> it's like, or like in the case of Fountains of Wayne, for, for me, like, well, this is some of the best stuff I've ever heard in my life. Hooray. So, right. Um, and, and that was, that was the, the whole sense of music discovery back then is that, that idea of going to the record store to Am I going to take a chance? Like, do I like this song enough to drop the money on buying the whole CD to see if I like the rest of it? Or am I going to wait until the next single gets released off of this CD? And then like, okay, well, there's two tracks that I know I like, or maybe I don't like the second one. So maybe I shouldn't buy it. It was, it was a whole, whole different kind of experience. Whereas it's, it's today, if music is released, you just go to iTunes or not iTunes, Apple music, whatever it's called now, or whatever online digital shops Bandcamp, and you can sample every single one of the tracks Mm -hmm. and just press play and hear a few seconds of every song and be like well that's great and that's i don't i don't want to sound like you know old man waving a cloud or yelling a cloud or anything (laughs) like that it's a i think this is a genuinely better situation without a doubt uh this is uh this is a massive improvement except for the uh the, the the case of actual ownership that's one of the 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 troubles of the digital era but that's a podcast for a different podcast or regardless of anything as far as discovering songs mm-hmm. and songs becoming available and staying available yes um, we're in a much better position now than we used to be yeah so um you know to go back and find those old records at that time was tough so basically you just kind of like a like a speeding train you found this band and you just jumped on the train and you followed it Oh, you know. right. You're talking about back catalog. I wasn't even thinking about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Finding a band. I remember that happened with me. Um, it wasn't even that old of a band, but I discovered like, around, around when they released Closing Time, I discovered Semisonic, right? Yes. And I was like, oh, I really like this song. I'm going to try to get in their CD. And I freaking loved their CD. Feeling strangely fine. I thought it okay. was fantastic. So then I go to Semisonic.com. I see their website and they have two prior releases. So I'm able to go to Best Buy and find Great Divide, but they also had an EP that they released first uh, called Pleasure, and I, it took me forever to find that one. Uh, and that's, because, 
and that's how the things go, right? Like that's how it went, I should say. Exactly. Now, if it's digital, it's always quote unquote in print, but right. But now with the collective uh hive mind that is the 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 internet, you know, you could find every little bootleg and every little EP that never was. And it's, yeah. So you know, like I was saying, I, I started at the beginning of their catalog and I got to listen to like two or three records that I never really listened to before. I knew of them, right? Their name, the names of the records are very ingrained in, in my brain. Um, mostly because in my very late teens, I met a gentleman by the name of Dave. And uh, Dave's a few years older than me. Dave's an awesome dude. Dave was very big into Depeche Mode. It was one of his favorite bands next to like nine inch nails right which is very interesting if you ask me uh maybe two signs of the same coin but um he and i got along very well we actually started a very very first band together we were all terrible it was awesome um but dave and i have been friends ever since we've worked we've worked several jobs together we've done art together it's he's a very cool kind human being um and I will say he's so kind that when he got a spare ticket to see Depeche Mode at Madison Square Garden, I was the gentleman he asked to go, and I have never been happier. Yeah. So, um, yeah, right. So these 10 songs, the hardest part of this show so far has been picking 10 songs from a group. And it doesn't matter if the group has been around for five years or 50 years, uh, you're going to have a hard time. A 40-year career. Um, all right, let me just... Just a little bit of history. I'm not gonna. I don't want to bog you down with a lot of details. Um, formed in Basildon, in England, in 1980 by Adam, uh, excuse me, Andy Fletcher, Vince Clark, Martin Gore, and David Gahan. Uh, Gahan was the last uh, guy to join the band, and they decided to call themselves Composition of Sound. Um, but in time, the band started to feel embarrassed by the name, and they began to search for a new one. Finally, setting on, settling on Depeche Mode. And for those who don't know what Depeche Mode means, uh, Depeche Mode was the name of a French fashion magazine. Um, uh, What's his name? Uh, uh, Martin Gore, in an interview, had said, quote, it means hurried fashion or fashion dispatch. I like the sound of that. But actually, that's kind of a misnomer. The the literal translation um, is um, fashion news or fashion update because Depeche kind of his dispatch or news report and i find that incredibly funny because we just did an episode on a band called dispatch <laughs> yeah so just just you know that's how i i view the world um so they released uh their first record called speak and spell in october of 1981 and vince clark who was a founding member um uh, left the band in November of 81. He um he wasn't happy with kind of the direction that things were going in and I I if I'm if what I read was what I'm to understand he was kind of the chief songwriter. Um but then once he departed they kind of needed a new chief songwriter and that kind of fell to Martin Gore who has been the chief songwriter since 1981. They uh they put an ad in a uh music publication publication. Oh yeah, they. Uh, I'll say that in a second. They put an ad in a music publication uh, looking for a new member, and Alan Fletcher would join the band, and that's been the... Uh, it's really been the trio. It's been um, Gore, Gahan, and Fletcher until um, 
Fletcher's untimely passing in May of uh, 2022, which is a real bummer, but uh, we're not here for that. Side note, Vince Clark uh, would leave Depeche. Well, they, they changed the name to Depeche. They would leave Depeche Mode and he would start Yazoo or if you're American, Yaz. You know, that group that did uh, Move Out, Don't Mess Around, Move Out, you bring me oh, down. Big wow, 80s, I did not know that. Track, yeah. uh, I'm a big fan of that band too, but that's another podcast. Um, <laughs> so that being said, right, um, just a little note up front. Most of the music we're going to be listen to, listening to comes from the mid-80s to late-90s, a period in which I personally believe they were really just banging on all cylinders, right? Um, now, that's not to say that there wasn't great music before or after this period, but I found myself pulling heavily from this period. So that's why I said to you, Chris, I'm really happy that you kind of have no idea what they were doing in the 90s, because you're going to get to hear a bunch of that. Um, Yay! Yeah, and as you can imagine, a band that's lifespan is over 40 years makes it exceptionally hard to pick just 10 songs. And so please know that I spent like two weeks just pining and pouring and pining <laughs> over this massive catalog. Uh, we're talking about something like, oh, geez, uh, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14 released studio records as of this moment with a new one on the way called Memento Mori, which I think is ironic because, you know, Fletcher just passed away and Memento Mori, for anyone who doesn't know, means remember we all die. Uh, so that's coming out in 2023 and I'm, I'm excited for that. You know, we're talking about countless tours, music videos out the wazoo or Yazoo, um, <laughs> just collaborations and how do you, you know, how do you, how do you do it? So, I think we should get right into it. Let's get to work. So the first song comes off of 1984's release, Some Great Reward. Um, I picked this track because I felt like, A, it's a really great track. Um, The first thing that jumps out is lyrical content. I find that um, in all the years that I've been listening to Depeche Mode and I've watched interviews with the band members and stuff, I found that David Gahan, the main lead singer, because he does... Uh, vocals and he does do backing vocals but uh, martin gore does sing too and we'll we'll hear a song from him later um i find that david gahan is a very sarcastic uh individual and i think he's always looking and in a very british way i find he's very cheeky so i find that this song really encapsulates kind of their uh their black humor and their sarcasm um sonically i think Actually, I think we're going to play it, and then we'll talk a bit about uh, kind of composition and, and the sonic and, and all that stuff. So, um, first track of the night, uh, Blasphemous Rumors off of uh, Some Great Reward. Enjoy.
Blasphemous Rumors off of the Some Great Reward release from the band Depeche Mode, and uh, I'd love to hear what you thought of that track, Chris. I freaking loved it. Okay. <laughs> I loved it. I have this wonderful um, I don't know, wonderful, I have this this uh, intense nostalgic feeling surrounding um, 80s synthesizer kind of sounds it reminded me a lot of video game music in Mm -hmm. just kind of the best way uh really just kind of uh holding over when was this released uh 1984 oh 84 i feel like it's reminding me a lot of the no you know what yeah that that does check that does track (laughs) my go-to for like if i really need to calm myself down is listening to old um atari commercials uh and a lot of that stuff was late 70s early 80s and there a lot of the synthesizers i'm hearing in this were kind of eliciting that feeling uh just that overwhelming nostalgic feeling but i loved just the overall composition of this i loved the way it came together i loved the um the uh, per- uh, my own personal Jesus song. I've never been super fond of it. Okay, um, like it's there. I know it. It's just never really been my thing. Like it's a. It's cool when it comes on the 80s station or whatever like that. When I'm putting on a, an 80s playlist, that's cool. But it doesn't tick the the boxes for me when it comes to 80s 80s music. And this ticked every freaking one of them. It was. <laughs> um, it just got to those points where you had couple just a couple of those major chords in there that were. It's strange to lob the word beautiful at this, but mm-hmm. just the way that comes together, those deep alien sounds of uh, 80s synthesizers are so interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, was the bass drum in the beginning of this a bouncing kickball? So, uh, I can neither confirm nor deny. However, I will tell you this that maybe will confirm or deny. When <laughs> <laughs> So... Early on, right, the three records that came out before Some Great Reward, um, Speak and Spell, A Broken Frame, and Construction Time Again, right? Um, they were very synth-heavy, and after your explanation of what you enjoyed about this song, you might actually enjoy Speak and Spell, A Broken Frame, and Construction Time Again, 81, 82, and 83, respectively, right? Um, because it's very, very, very 80s synth, right? So as they're moving forward, um, uh, what's his name? Fletcher is more of the gear guy, right? I kind of read a little bit about how um, he was starting to use synthesizers that you could actually sample like with a microphone and then, you know, manipulate it. So obviously there's the sniffle, right? 
there's um there's some there's a part where it's like a, a an aluminum can being crushed, right? Like these are the sounds that I think they are. I would right. not be surprised if that was in fact a bouncing ball at the beginning. But at the there's same that time, very specific resonance, you know, with a kickball. There's that very yeah. specific resonance, and I was hearing that in the beginning, like that's really cool sounding. And all those things you were talking about, this the, like the sound effects, the mixing in this was wild. Like, yep. I'm I'm hearing all this stuff coming from every like the the sounds are coming from all directions. Uh, it's right. really really f- a, a very impressive focus put on the mixing of making it sound all around you, really sounding all encompassing. So not just the it's not just the music speaking for itself. It's the experience of listening to the music of of the way the sound is reaching your ears. Uh, very interesting stuff. Really liked it. There, yeah, there's a lot of playing with the uh, the 3D spatial, you know, binaural to some extent, right? If you're familiar with those terms, that just basically means EQing things and using volume to trick the mind's eye to hear them in different places. Um, one of the things I wanted to mention was, you know, the lyrical content of the song is clearly a story about a young girl who, you know, has a tragedy at the beginning. The mother then you know, has the tragedy with the daughter. And then the final verse is, of course, her getting her life back on track and then befalling another tragedy, which goes back to the chorus of, I don't want to start any blasphemous rumors, but I think that God's got a sick sense of humor. So in it, they talk about a car accident, right? So I think some of those sounds that you're hearing are attempting to mimic, like the ball bouncing might be the childhood, you know, the the, the can crushing and it almost sounds like a hubcap that's, you know, like it's spinning, spinning, and then it starts to roll to a complete stop. It's like all these things that they're creating an illusion to further build the story out of this song. And from a storytelling point of view, using nothing but sonic, um, sonic tools, I think that's just wild. And then to top it off, in my opinion, with just such a catchy hook and melody for lyrics and the music itself on top of it is just great. It's like, you're really like, there's a walk off home run. Like, what are you guys even doing to save some for the rest of us? You know? Um, yeah. What a great, what a great first, first track. Definitely. You've definitely piqued my interest, sir. I really hope it's not all downhill from here. <laughs> um, right. So we're going to move on from, uh, so again, I always. I'm always going to mention it. It's tough to, you know, pick 10 songs. So I kind of, tr- I did my best to kind of pick at least one or two representative of each album, because if you go start all the way at the beginning again, at speak and spell and you go all the way up to um, their last release, which its name escapes me at the moment, uh, spirit, um, you really see evolution. You can definitely hear evolution, both on a sonic level on a musician level, composition, everything, 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 right? So we're going to move on to um, my next pick, which is Shake the Disease. And that comes off of Catching Up with Depeche Mode and the singles, 81 through 85. This is a weird song because uh, when I was attempting to find out what record it came off of, it kept showing me this kind of best of. And I was like, how could it be a, on a best of if it didn't appear beforehand? And then I realized, oh, it's because the American release of the best of, um, you know, was it needed more tracks. We already have these four albums. Imagine that, right? Four albums are out and then you're making a best of record. <laughs> so they, they ended up putting um, Shake the Disease and then I forget the other one off the top of my head. But at any rate, 
Um, yeah, I, I mean, it, I think it goes without saying. I love every one of these songs, and every time I say like, "Oh, I love this," it's just like, "Oh, I love this song." Right? I'm gonna, I'm just gonna let this one rock, and then we'll talk about it afterwards. This is called uh, "Shake the Disease." It comes off of uh, "Catching Up with Depeche Mode," the singles '81, '85, uh, and I do believe it came out in '86. I'll double check. In the meantime, you enjoy.
1985, the release uh, Shake the Disease by Depeche Mode. It appears on Catching Up with Depeche Mode. The single's 81 to 85. Um, so one of the things I think you're going to notice, and, and Chris, I'm definitely uh, curious what you thought about that one, and we'll get to that in a second. One of the things I think you're going to notice about a band like Depeche Mode is they have a very um, varying range and degree to which they um, create. And what I mean by that is um, in some of their later stuff beyond the 90s, and uh, I want to say uh, like an album like um, Playing the Angel, there's some really aggressive stuff there. Right, the 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 album opens up with some really aggressive synthesizers, and I want to say like David Gahan's voice is a little more than just like this beautiful crooning uh, style and sound that he's become known for. But throughout every record, I think that's come out from pretty much the beginning. They always have these upbeat synth pop stuff. This uh, very uh, I don't some some will call it new wave, some will call it uh, synth wave, right? Um, but at the same time. They have these slower, more melodic, and even to some extent ethereal pieces too. And that's the other side of the Depeche Mode coin that I love absolutely so much is that you hear the singles like People Are People, uh, you know, Enjoy the Silence, uh, and, and you think like, oh, okay, I, I get the bands. But then you get these deep cuts where we're going to hear one of them too later. But there's so many of these interesting valleys inside of these giant, massive peaks that Depeche Mode's created that gives them, to me, such a a wide berth and it's just a massive dynamic on a on a scale that some bands just don't, right? For whatever reason, they just don't do it. And uh, I think Shake the Disease is one of them. So now, Chris, you tell me where that hits you, if it hits you at all. Uh, it almost knocked me out, uh, and I mean that... <laughs> I mean that in the just the nicest possible way. I am going to need to get a lot more of this music. Uh, this is putting me in my happy place right here. I just, I seriously just sat back in the chair and closed my eyes and just. This music is very encompassing. These two tracks mm-hmm. so far are just hitting me from every single direction, and it's like I'm not even trying to do anything else. A lot of times when I podcast, I'm doing something else in the background and flipping through Facebook yeah. or, uh, do, you know, getting some, some basic work done. I am, this is music is stopping me in my tracks and I'm just, just insisting that I listen. This one really bled together, uh, a lot. I couldn't point out a specific thing about it that I really liked. It just, it just hit every single one of the notes that says, just stop and relax. It was very calming. Mm-hmm. It was very, this guy's voice is, is, you were mm. mentioning the lyrics in the last song, and I mm-hmm. didn't really remember them until you mentioned them, because this guy's voice is almost coming off as just another instrument to me. I'm not hearing the lyrics, I'm just kind of hearing the melodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that's that, that is that coming from me is an extremely high compliment. Um, I, I, <laughs> I really, really liked it. I... Um, like I said, I'm going to need to get a lot more of this and put it on my, uh, you know, go to sleep music because this is just, this is just this is just hitting me in all the right points. This is wonderful, wonderful stuff so far. I am happy to know that I can be your plug for this. <laughs> um, yeah, David Gahan has got such an amazing voice. I think I can't tell you the first song I heard. Maybe it was during the MTV generation when it was like enjoy the silence or because i remember seeing that video and there's a lot of funny stories about that music video but we're not going to listen to that song so i'm not going to talk about that video but 
if you reach us out, reach out us, uh, uh, you know, on their Discord channel, I'll, I'll talk about it till the cows come home. Um, but his voice is is just butter. Like, it, I feel as though if if David Gahan was born, you know, what like thirty years sooner, he could have been in the league with like a Mel Torme, Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra. That very velvety tone. He's got a he's got a great. Um, I, I think he, I want to say he sings like in the tenor baritone area i could be completely wrong but it just it's so fitting like these guys came together and they came together in such a great manner and like i i'm so happy that they they all met and and became depeche mode you know right <laughs> right um, so glad they found each other yeah it, it's it's so amazing um one of the things i did want to kind of mention that i didn't get a chance to early on um up to this point, like I'm just gonna mention some singles for anyone who may feel slighted by not hearing some of these songs. So, uh, Speak and Spell has "Just Can't Get Enough," which everyone's heard at one time. Or I didn't know that was them. Okay, I like that song a lot because it was on the Gap commercial, you know, some ten, fifteen years ago. <laughs> right. Uh, so, "Just Can't Get Enough." There's um, uh, hmm, Broken Frame has singles but i don't know that anyone's really know, knows them uh you see you the meaning of love uh, leave in silence uh but construction time right everything counts everything counts in large amounts that's a big one oh okay yeah, yeah i know that song but some great reward is now really where like in my opinion it kicks off people are people master and servant which is among one of my favorite songs of all time by theirs um and of course blasphemous rumors and then this is uh, the Shake the Disease, which also came on, like I said, um, uh, singles eighty one to eighty five. They also threw on another song, which was a co A side air quotes called "It's Called a Heart." So that was another single for them too. Uh, just had to mention those as we go through the records. I'll do my best to kind of mention um, the other big singles, which you may or may not know. But I think we're all getting to a point in their career where we know these songs. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, and. And believe me, I feel super honored that you're just really enjoying these so far. I just hope I can keep that <laughs> that momentum going because as we progress with Depeche Mode, they start to get a little... I want to say their music gets a little darker. The lyrics never get darker, though. It's very interesting, right? I made the joke one episode about uh, West Coast punk is uh, happy music with dark lyrics, and then East Coast punk is dark music with happy lyrics. Depeche Mode is always dark lyrics, right? It's It's... I find their music to be very romantic. Um, I think that's why, you know, you know, the goth scene in the late 90s and early 2000s, you would constantly hear Depeche Mode in rotation. Um, and that's kind of where I lived for a long time in that quote unquote dark and goth scene. Um, it's intelligent, you know, sonically, composition wise, uh, lyrics, just sophisticated, I think. I don't know. I think just fantastic stuff. Um, so moving on, we're going to move on to a record. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think I'm skipping a record, actually. I want to double check that. Yeah, so I'm, I'm skipping stuff. Uh, so the next record that came out was uh, Black Celebration. And this had a lot. This has a lot of great music on it, right? Um, a lot of it was singles. There was a whole cover record, which uh, I'll talk about when we get some music for the masses. Um, off this record comes Stripped, which on the cover record was done by Rammstein. Uh, question of Lust, A Question of Time, But Not Tonight. And uh, I don't know why. Uh, one of the 
two, excuse me, two big songs that came off this record, which were not singles, which is weird to me, is Black Celebration and Fly on the Windscreen, which also exist on that cover record by um, Black Celebration was done by Monster Magnet and Fly on the Windscreen was done by God Lives Underwater. Uh, new dress, dressed in black. Like these, this record is so solid. Um, but there was so much good stuff on it that I felt like, you know what, let me skip this because there's some other stuff I'd rather showcase and just say, go out and listen to Black Celebration, the record. It's just solid from start to finish. So we're going to skip Black Celebration. We're going to move on to uh, Music for the Masses, which is um, the record that they took the title for the other uh, cover record, um, which now totally escapes me. When we come back from the track, I'll have the answer for that. And if you know it, I'm sure you're just screaming at me, and I apologize. Uh, so the song, the song we're going to listen to off of this record is by far and wide in my top two, if not my top one favorite songs by Depeche Mode. It's called Never Let Me Down Again. Um, and, er, excuse me, it's called Never Let Me Down. Sorry. Um, I've heard a lot of stories about what this song is about. Um, the most popular is about drug use, uh, more specifically heroin. Um, you know, it's tough sometimes to separate the artist from the art. Um, we have a lot of instances of that nowadays with cancel culture and stuff like that. And then, of course, coming to light, just some of the scumbaggy stuff, things, you know, things uh, that people have done over the years. Uh, I'm not suggesting by any stretch of the imagination that, you know, that's a thing. These are just stories, and I'm just uh, regurgitating what I've read. I don't know them personally, and I'm just going to leave it at that. Here's another great song <laughs> from Depeche Mode. It's called Never Let Me Down. It comes off of the Music for the Masses release out of 1987. Enjoy. <laughs>
that was Never Let Me Down Again, I Was Right the First Time by Depeche Mode off of Music for the Masses in a 1987 release. Uh, so the name of that um, cover record was For the Masses. So, uh, Incidentally, this song on that record was covered by Smashing Pumpkins, and they did a pretty bang-up job. So Chris, how did you feel about this one? The, wait, the one we just heard was covered by Smashing Pumpkins? Yes, sir. I thought it sounded familiar. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I've definitely heard the cover. Yeah. Uh, this was immediately it's so much bigger than the first two songs. Yep. Right. This is this is massive tidal wave of sound. Uh, yep. It's it's very, very came on very aggressive. I, I once again loved it. I again sat back, eyes closed, really just let it kind of wash over me there, and it's um. Couldn't tell you a single lyric. <laughs> Again, it's just just this guy's voice does not connect in my brain as words. I don't know what's up with that. It's so weird. I couldn't tell you a single word from that song, but it was a yeah. That was a really really a big tidal wave of sound. Again, just just the the mastery of making those synthesizers sound so full and so effective. Um, mm-hmm. It's just a. It was just gorgeous I, I don't know what else to say it's this it's reminding me so much of video game music in a lot of ways not you know not as not quite as melody driven as like the really old stuff but mm-hmm. there's a, there's a certain quality to it that's just it's a, I, I think it's wonderful i wish i could articulate myself better right now um, <laughs> because I'm, I'm sure there's other things i should be saying but i am i am just sitting back and really freaking enjoying this i, I love it <laughs> Awesome. Um, so maybe I can articulate it in a, a little bit. You're talking about how massive the music sounds now, right? Very, so- very big. It was just just booming right off. Like, because those first two songs, they're there's a lot of empty space in them. They're using yes. that empty space for a lot of maneuverability. You know, mm-hmm. especially in that first one, there's a lot of things happening. And the second one was a, definitely a more cohesive and solid thing, but it was very calming you know it was very toned back this one was uh epic for lack of a better word it was very very um uh, it's not not quite aggressive is the word i'm talking about but it it definitely had a lot more oomph behind it it was um it seemed more emotionally charged okay so um what i was going to point out was a lot of if you're really listening to it kind of from um a technical standpoint there's a lot of um reverb which gives you the um impression of large space uh it kind of um i don't want to say fools the mind into thinking that something's bigger than it actually is but you know from a from an instinctual point of view from crow magnum man on you know what i mean we're uh instinctually trained to hear things and we can almost echo locate in a sort of way we can we can use sounds to kind of say oh that's over here or that's really far away i just heard something and it's you know a little ways over there right so the reverbs being used and even the the delays being used give you a sense of space so if you go back and you listen to it again i think you'll discover that a lot of the synthesizers that are being played especially those kind of accent synthesizers that start in the beginning the um, they're very big because they have these reverbs on it. And that might be why you get this big sense of grandiose, like something really filling up a space. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that they've always done to David Gahan's voice is that they've always given him 
a good delay. It's it borderlines not being a slapback, which means it comes back very quickly, hence slapback. This kind of like old, like um, the way you think of like Elvis Presley kind of having a, re- um, excuse me, a delay, but it comes back so quick because it was natural. Now we're getting into a place where you can manipulate the size of the quote unquote space that you're singing in, right? You can go into a tiny booth the size of, you know, your pantry and you can make it sound like you're sing- singing in the Sistine Chapel just because that's how, you know, the the algorithms and, and the technology is gone. So I think what you're going to be hearing more in this kind of period of the the late 80s into the late 90s is going to be a lot of space, a lot of like big, full, because it's only three or four guys at any given time, right? How do you, you know, you look at some bands, and you're like, you're just three guys. How do you make it seem so big or whatever, right? So these are the tricks of the trade inside the engineer's uh, toolkit to make these things kind of, you know, really burst out. Um, we're going to listen to uh, one more from music for the ma- from the music for the masses. Thank you very much. From 1987, um, this one, in my opinion, is a very big departure, and yet somehow it's absolutely not a departure from anything we've listened to. The song's called "Little 15, and um, I encourage everyone who's listening to this if you really enjoy this stuff to really go read the lyrics. And you know, again, it's art. You make your own interpretations. Um, Chris, you might not pick up on the lyrics because David Gahan is just melting in your brain and that's great. (laughs) And that's an absolutely great thing. Um, but, um, yeah, go give these, go give these lyrics a listen. It's, it's a very interesting song. Um, and before we get off of this record, uh, and before we come back from it, I just want to give you a quick rundown of the singles off of this one. Strange Love, which is a very big hit. Strange Love, Strange Highs and Strange Lows, Strange Love. Big hit for them. Never Let Me Down, which we just listened to. Behind the Wheel, another great song, um, which, if I'm not mistaken, we will hear later. Um, and uh finally little 15 so while i tried to stay away from the singles there were these two that i couldn't because i felt their dynamic sonically was so different and yet so indicative of depeche mode that they just had to be here so enough of my rambling here's little 15 off of music for the masses by depeche mode Thank you. 
Little 15 off of uh, Music for the Masses, Depeche Mode, 1987. And I think if I ever wanted to point someone in the direction of Depeche Mode and say, listen, just got to let you know, they can be a little dramatic. <laughs> this would be the song. <laughs> so that being said, Chris, tell me. Uh, yeah, well, I definitely hear the drama. Uh, it was really pretty. Um, I loved the way it built. I didn't expect it to build the way that it did. Um with the you know it starts the the first if I'm looking at this file the right way the first like there's four parts right the first two are very much just that kind of string loop mm-hmm. you know little 15 or whatever mm-hmm. and then it became um what was the first part that came in that really upped the ante here it's kind of like gets a little piano-y and you've got this um weird synth and the background is going wah, wah, mm-hmm. like it, that. That was unexpected and neat. But then the the, the last change, those kind of like twinkly bits, whatever they are going on in the background, was really unexpected and really quite yeah. nice. 
Um, I tried to listen to the the lyrics, and the only ones I can recall are "Little 15, and it's I'm okay. sorry. <laughs> uh, don't, you don't have to apologize, man. It's your first listen. But again, really, really grabbed me. I was, I was, I'm finding all of this very, very soothing. This is hitting all <laughs> the right notes for me right now. It's, it's like I just want to, I just want to crawl into bed and listen to this until I'm asleep, and then just have it keep playing. I, I'm, I'm fast. I'm utterly fascinated right now. This is really, really, really ticking all my boxes. It's. Fantastic stuff. Thank you for thank you for pointing me in this direction. Um, very uh, yeah. The dramatic definitely is a word for it. It is um less rhythmic than everything mm-hmm. we've heard so far. Um, but just but just more on a literal level because it does have a good rhythm to it. It's it's, it's you know it, it has a a proper cadence. It's not um you know stretching notes out or anything like that. It is just still following a very specific rhythm, but it didn't have any like percussion or anything in it. Um. Except maybe the twinkly bits at the end, they, they sound percussive. But yeah, re- really liked it. Really good song. Awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad you're enjoying it so far. Um, yeah, Little 15 is a song that I remember my friend Dave was just the biggest fan of. And I think when I first heard it, I didn't get it. I was like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't it's not four on the floor. I don't understand it. Um, but, you know, <laughs> you get older and you, your, your mind opens up and you start to learn you know, to appreciate and enjoy different things. This one was one that came back around again with like an uppercut. You know, I, I remember listening to it again, kind of, uh, you know, some 10, 15 years later and going, holy crap, how is this has been on this record the whole time? Why didn't anybody tell me about it? I mean, like, you know, my buddy Dave's like, I've been playing it since it came out, you know, back in whatever, 87. You just uh, weren't listening. So definitely, I, I think one of my favorite parts about the song as a whole is that it's almost uh, essentially like an an orchestral movement it's i can i i i love when bands you know take their music and then they get like a 100 piece orchestra to play along with them i yeah. i'm so surprised Depeche Mode hasn't done that i wouldn't be surprised if someone's pitched it to him david Hahn's like ah oh, get the hell out of here um that sounds like work <laughs> yeah <laughs> work i'm not interested in even though the guys uh, we'll get into that later but anyway but this is one of those songs that, like, if they didn't do it, I don't know what the hell's wrong with them, right? Like, this is just a big, beautiful, gorgeous piece of music. Um, and that ending, I, I love that ending. It just, because so far, all the songs we've listened to all fade out. And uh, to a point uh, that I didn't touch on before, some of their songs do this thing where they fade out and then they come back up into something else. And those something else's have names. Right. Like um, mo- uh, I think a lot of people who aren't Depeche Mode fans but love Enjoy the Silence don't know that at the end of Enjoy the Silence, there's actually a whole like minute, minute and a half of like the parts of the song played in a different arrangement. And it's something completely different for good or for bad. In some cases, it's really cool. In some cases, it might just be uh, melodic noise. It's, you know, obviously your interpretation of the piece. Um, And we heard a little bit of that with. um. Uh, blasphemous rumors right so they have this you know they're just they're just so interesting i don't know what it is that makes them tick or makes drives them to end songs the way they do right (laughs) because that's always the thing do we fade it out do we end it abruptly do we reprise something and then end? you know so (sighs) all right moving along we're gonna jump ahead um so for albums purposes right 
uh, Music from the Masses, 1987. The next album to come out is Violator, 1990. Um, this is probably their most popular record. This is probably their most known record uh, because songs like Personal Jesus and uh, Enjoy the Silence come off of it, right? Um, trying to see where it lands on the pop charts or whatever. Eh, whatever. I don't care that much, I suppose. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is probably the juggernaut that launched Depeche Mode into the next like decade of their career, right? Um, so the song we're going to listen to is uh, Policy of Truth, which is the second... Nope. What am I looking at? Policy of Truth. There it is. So this song is the seventh song on the Violator record. And with songs coming before it, the opening the opening to this episode was actually World in My Eyes, which comes off of this record, Violator. Um, Sweetest Perfection, fantastic song written by Martin Gore. Speaking of Martin Gore, welcome to my ADD podcast. Speaking of Martin <laughs> Gore, Martin Speaking Gore. Speaking of Martin Gore, I love sandwiches. Oh, Subway, not so much. Sub, yes. <laughs> Hoagies, grinders, you name it, I love them. All right, <laughs> speaking of Martin Gore, <laughs> Martin Gore has been that very sweet, pleasant voice you've been hearing accompanying uh, David Gahan, right? I love his voice. There's songs that he sings where he's the lead, and there's such a vulnerability in his voice that I find you don't necessarily get with someone like David Gahan off the bat. There are songs where David Gahan has that uh, vulnerability in it, and it works for the, the pieces. But Martin Gore, there, it, it, it couldn't be like a yin and a yang more so than with these two, uh, David Gahan and, Ma- and Martin Gore. Uh, so I just wanted to give props. And, and like I said, we're going to listen to a, 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 a Martin Gore singing uh, some lyrics uh, moving along the line. But for right now, we're going to listen to uh, Policy of Truth which comes off of Depeche Mode's Violator record from 1990. Enjoy.
Depeche Mode off of the 1990 release Violator. Chris? I knew that one. Hey! <laughs> I know that song. I've listened to that song a bunch of times. This is a great <laughs> song. It started off, I perked up like, I know this one! Wait Yay. a minute! <laughs> yeah, um, oh, jeez, what a great song. Uh, yeah, that's a that's just a great song. So, um, maybe you also know it covered by Dishwalla. Off of for the masses, so I feel like maybe no, Dishwalla is kind of in your purview. No, I didn't know that. I know. I'm really. I only know what's the Dishwalla was the. Tell me all your thoughts on God song, right? Yes. Yeah, I don't know any other songs by Dishwalla. I didn't know they covered that. That's pretty fancy. I have to give that a listen. I feel like they had. A, didn't they have a song called? Um, uh, I can never be a junkie because heroin is so passe. I don't know. That's. I have bad beats me. <laughs> that's I'm going to look it up right now. Oh, that's the dandy Warhols. My mistake. All right. Anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, policy of truth, I think is a lot more in league with kind of their singles, uh, as policy of truth was a single off, uh, violator. Um, it's certainly, a, an upbeat, you know, uh, musical venture, the synth, the, the, the nice solid kick. There's some heavily, uh, affected guitars, you know, big reverbs, sweeping reverbs and stuff. And you'd certainly hear that right in the last like 10, 15 seconds of it. Um, again, Martin Gore, beautiful backing vocals, Gahan, great message, you know, should, you know, had something to hide, shouldn't have hidden it. Shouldn't you, um, (laughs) policy of truth, right? I 
you know, I can't say enough great things about A, that song, and B, the entire Violator record. I think if you like any of this stuff and you've never really listened to Depeche Mode, Violator is such a great place to start. You get all the big singles, like I said, you know, Enjoy the Silence and um, Sweetest Perfections is another great, like the whole track, the whole the whole record is one of these records that I think I can listen to from start to finish. Now, I know that everyone has bands out there that they listen to and they're like, oh, I love this record, but there might be one or two songs they skip because some of them are instrumentals. Um, there's no shortage of that with Depeche Mode, but this is definitely a record that I listen to start to finish without question. And it's short, too. It's 47 minutes, according to this track listing. Uh, clean, blue dress. Oh, my God. Every song on this record is so good. Let me stop. <laughs> I, I got to stop pining over this one. I, I can't I can't say enough good stuff about it. Um, <laughs> that being said, now uh, we're going to leave Violator because, like I said, just juggernaut of a record. Right. And we're going to move on to top five all time favorite. Uh, Depeche Mode songs comes off of the Songs of Faith and Devotion record from 1993. It's called Walking in My Shoes. Um, when it comes to lyrical content, this song has some of my favorite lyrics, right? Um, you know, again, I encourage you to go read them, but basically, it's like it's that that uh euphemism, you know, uh, don't judge a man without walking a mile in his shoes, right? And that's basically what this is. Like, if you were me, you would have done everything that I did. And I, I and you're a liar to tell me that you wouldn't have. Um, this to me is this is single wise when we're getting into like the big pop hit um, pop singles and stuff like that. These are the songs that made Depeche Mode like the household name that they are. Right. Because you'll. I think you'll hear immediately um, that this is very much in league with something like Policy of Truth, with um, you know World in My Eyes and things like that. It has very same sonic, uh, uh, I don't know, resonance, timbre, everything. It, it's very similar. Uh, but I'm going to stop prattling on. I'm going to let you guys uh, draw your own conclusions. This is Walking in My Shoes by Depeche Mode uh, from Songs of Faith and Devotion. Enjoy. If you try walking in my shoes 
shoes off of the songs of faith and devotion album from 1993 we talked about um never let me down being a massive sonic uh endeavor um i'm willing to say that this is another massively sonic endeavor chris yeah i would agree this was um i really really liked it uh it was uh there was something there was something familiar about it that was distracting me in the beginning of it like 
have I heard this song before? Where would I have heard this before? And I think what I, the conclusion that I came to ultimately was that something about the sound of this song was reminding me of what the cure was doing at this similar time. Mm, And I think that's what was, was, was striking me as familiar about it. But I, I, I did a a little bit more as the recording quality is getting better, you know, as time goes on, uh, I'm, I'm able to kind of focus a little bit more on the lyrics and the tunes. And, uh, I, I really like the message on this one. If you could walk a mile in my shoes, it's, um, I can't say I picked out all the lyrics, but I, I kind of picked up on the overall message that was being given there. Um, uh, it's, as the kids would say, another banger, sir. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you mentioned The Cure, just to go back to uh, The World in My Eyes was covered by The Cure on the For the Masses record. <laughs> huh. So it, all, it really is just cyclical and full circle. Um, <laughs> That's fantastic. A uh, side note about uh, walking in my shoes. Um, there's two English DJs who have, or engineer, producer, DJs, uh, you know, they do it all, right? They formed a group called Soul Savers. Um, I stumbled upon them very haphazardly. Um, spoiler alert, we'll probably do an episode about them uh, in the very <laughs> far future, just because that's how things go. Um, but that being said, they did at that point, three records, if I'm, if I'm counting correctly. They did a record under the name Soul Savers with David Gahan, and their brand of music is fantastic, right? Um, when they went on tour for the second record that they did with David Gahan, I was very fortunate enough to grab tickets for myself and my wife, and we saw them, and it was a, an amazing night. You know, I we I think at that point we had already seen Depeche Mode for a second time. Well, my second, her first. Um, so I could have died a happy person. But not only did they do, you know, the Soul Savers stuff with David Kahan, they closed the show with an encore of Walking in My Shoes. And when I tell you I wanted to weep like a little baby who skinned his knee, oh my goodness, man. Such an amazing performance. like. They're going on tour this uh, starting this year. Uh, this year, this year's almost over. <laughs> Twenty. They're going to be on tour in twenty three. Global tour. Uh, I'm not going to lie. The tickets are massive. They're so expensive. But it, hmm. if you're able to, if you're really, really able to, and you're a fan, you haven't. You really, really, really should. It's such a great performance. They give it a hundred and twenty percent every single time. So just from one fan to another, or maybe to a new fan, if you can. Get yourself out there and check them out. Now that uh, one, uh, actually one point of note on the uh, Songs of Faith and Devotion record um, that I wanted to kind of bring up, just kind of because I'm a, I'm a, like I'm a engineering nerd, right? Um, this record was produced and mixed by someone by the name of Flood. And if you're not familiar with who Flood is, Flood has been very integral in a lot of uh producing over the years and when i name some of the artists and of course i had it up and now it's gone okay uh originally going by the name of mark ellis that's his uh you know birth name flood has worked with bands like new order u2 nine inch nails depeche mode of course gary newman uh ministry the 30 seconds to mars nick cave and the bad seeds pj harvey uh, sigur ross jesus mary chain smashing pumps the killers pop elite itself one of my favorite bands it just 
just the sheer amount of work um, that he's done over the years. And I, I feel that there's a thumbprint from him on the records that he's worked with Depeche Mode. And I feel like the 90s had for Depeche Mode this kind of flood, uh, you know, sensibilities about it. Again, if you're familiar with Flood's work and the, the like, I think you'll, you can at least understand what I'm uh, getting at. But um, at any rate, we're going to move on to the last record of the show, but not certainly not the last record that Depeche Mode has uh, produced and put out. Um, the next three tracks are coming off of uh, 1997's Ultra. Now, when it comes to record releases, uh, Sons of Faith Devotion was 93, and then Ultra was 97, so there's a big gap there. Probably one of their biggest gaps in creating music uh, up to that point. Um, but I'm, I'm super happy that they took the time to work out Ultra, because again, Ultra as a whole has such a great vibe to it. It might actually probably be their darkest um, offering, I suppose. Um, this is certainly the time where they were collaborating with um, famous photographer and music video uh, maker Anton Corbinge. Um, they've recently, I say within the last like two years or so, released a book of all the photographs that Corbinge has taken of them. And it's a coffee table book. and It's like $150. So if anyone listening, you know wants to get me a late Christmas present. It's 90 bucks on Amazon. (laughs) But um, so much of what I think of Depeche Mode um, as a whole, their aesthetic, their presence, uh, comes from or through the lens of Anton Corbinge, in my opinion. There's certainly, like Flood, there's a a thumbprint that gets put on the, um, the Depeche Mode windows so to speak you know figuratively speaking um i think anton corbage was almost between him and this uh uh hell who did until it sleeps and i can't think of it um samuel bayer is that right anyway i think between those two gentlemen they made it cool for guys to wear uh mascara and eyeliner <laughs> you know in the late in the in the mid to late 90s but uh, I digress. Um, anyway, so um, the three songs, the three songs we're gonna end the show on again all come from Ultra '97. The first one's "Useless." Um, now, again, I did say I wanted to stay away from the singles, but it's really hard not to. Um, this record does contain a handful of, uh, uh, not acoustic, but instrumental pieces. Some very artsy and abstract um instrumental pieces which in from start to finish when you listen to the record excuse me (coughs) flow very well right it's very complimentary pieces but when you take them out of context context in a show like this it kind of makes it a little weird um and maybe even a little off-putting and i'd hate to do that and maybe ruin the potential of how someone would approach this group but Again, this is another high recommendation from me to you who may or may not know Depeche Mode. Go listen to Violator and then go listen to Ultra and then go listen to everything else. A very quick point of note, the singles that come off this record, Barrel of a Gun, uh, It's No Good, Home, and Useless. Uh, 
the last three tracks we're going to listen to are Useless Home and It's No Good. So <laughs> I guess in the end, I kind of jacked that one up. But uh, it's my show and I could do whatever I want. See, uh, that being said, we're going to dive right into Ultra. The track is. Oh, wait a second. You didn't tell me I skipped a song. Oh, I didn't know you skipped a song. Totally did. I just said all that great stuff about Ultra. Do we do we oh. edit it? No, nah, just just roll just roll with it. Never mind. Before we get there, let's listen to this song. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so then we're gonna. But before we listen to that song, yes. we need to listen to this song. <laughs> so I'm getting ahead of myself here. I really, I was just really, I was along for the ride. I thought you were gonna pull it back to this one somehow. Oh, sorry. Well, I don't know. I'm I'm on a collision course with the ending of this show and. That's a good or a bad thing. I'm not too sure. Um, right. So anyway, uh, next track still comes off of Songs of Faith and Devotion, 1993. It's Depeche Mode's In Your Room. Enjoy. In your room, 
That was Depeche Mode's In Your Room off of the Songs of Faith and Devotion album. And that's officially the last song we're going to listen to off of the Songs of Faith and (laughs) Devotion album. Now, (laughs) I jumped the gun. Earlier, you heard me gush over the Ultra record from uh, 1997. Um, So I don't have anything else to say about it (laughs) until we listen to some tracks from the Ultra record. So we're going to do just that. Uh, you're going to pretend that I'm not a goon. You're going to pretend <laughs> that I did this all perfectly. And you're going to pretend that I'm the greatest podcast host that ever lived next to my co-host, Chris. Oh, well, <laughs> just real quick, before we move to the next track, I wanted to mention on that song we just listened to, um, what was it called again? In Your Room. In Your Room. Uh, I really liked around halfway point. Yeah, right, So I'm sitting back in the chair, I got my eyes closed, I'm zoning out, enjoying the heck the music, right? And then the halfway point, these toms come in. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, I literally sat, I was like, oh, <laughs> you have my attention. <laughs> <laughs> you had my attention before and even my full attention now. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I just really wanted to say, I, I've, you've yet to miss yet. I've liked every single one of these songs a great deal. That, that makes me just indescribably happy um to your point about the toms they have this really great ability as they progress through their career to build every song builds to something right it builds it has this great crescendo this great ending verse chorus and and stuff like that and we've heard it through a lot of the tracks i think i've i've put out here um and you'll hear that through their career too um the just pointing out those toms is just another example of how like synth music in my opinion can be very simple and, um, you know, you just get a couple of synthesizers and you let them run on a quantized time, uh, you know, uh, uh, beats per minute. And they just sing over them. Right. And I'm not knocking anybody because like, hey, man, that's that's how you want to create art. Go for it. Right. But someone like Depeche Mode uh, with uh, Gore really being the chief uh, architect. Right. Um, just has this overwhelming ability to really orchestrate i talked about little 15 you had talked about too how there's sections to it and they they build and they do Mm. different things and stuff like that and it's just uh it's it's prevalent through everything they've made pretty much from like 85 on you get these uh big pieces of music with lots of very interesting parts and all of them complementary none of them are outside of uh you know what's going on to say like what the hell's that so that being said, <clears throat> let's move on to this useless track. Yeah. Wait a <laughs> sec. Oh, I see what you t- You. <laughs> the ability to breathe life into a joke. All right. Anyway, as Chris mentioned, the track's title is useless. As I've mentioned, it comes off the ultra record. And as what we were talking about, it's Depeche Mode. So why don't you give this a listen and we'll talk about it. It's beginning to 
Legends. That's useless by Depeche Mode off of the Ultra record. Uh, Chris, I have a feeling I know what you're going to say, but I need to hear you say it first. Was there a female vocalist joining in at the end, or was that a synthesizer that was kind of like resynthesizing the voice to kind of like uh, respond? Um, that is absolutely not what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> I will I will tell you in a moment. Um, you tell me what you thought of that track, and I will tell you if that was a female vocalist or not. <laughs> All right, so the first thing that really grabbed me about this was how, I guess, modern it sounded as opposed to the other stuff, mm-hmm. like with traditional instruments. Like, you know, there's a mm-hmm. guitar. Is that the first time we've really yep. heard a guitar on here? Like, since we've started listening to this music? Like, it was... It was very jarring how like traditional music it was but then by the end of it it transitioned into kind of more of what i've come to expect out of the band i thought it was wonderful Mm -hmm. really really fantastic song awesome what did you think i was going to say well at first i thought you were gonna talk about the baseline because oh yes 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 yeah it was and it was a killer baseline for sure absolutely good point yeah (laughs) it's it's like my second favorite baseline of all time theirs um so so yeah right um, I think if we take a deeper dive into, you know, the Violator record, you'll hear a little guitar, but definitely Ultra, we start to get a little more guitar. Um, I won't say that things are guitar driven, but certainly it gets used. Um, and there's there's songs in their past, too, where guitar pops up here and here and there every now and again. Um, but you're right. Like the guitar took a guitar solo. Right. Or I won't even say guitar. solo, I'll say guitar lead. You know, the, the um, Martin Gore stepped out, you know, and played a little lead. Um, to your question about a synthesizer or a female vocalist, you're wrong on both. It's actually Martin Gore singing. He has a very high falsetto. Oh, okay. All right. And he's just kind of doing the call and response with uh, David Gahan. Okay, too. cool. Again, uh, to point to his, you know, uh, singing prowess and stuff and how good of a, a composer and writer he is and b just finding the pocket that he can exist in and and uh, contribute on a more um front-facing uh level right because you know uh to bring up a band that maybe people find dis- divisive um uh what do you call it fallout boy right the lead singer's got that high pitch, you know, he's got a falsetto voice, but he doesn't write the lyrics. It's actually the bass player. You know what I mean? So, you know, you if you don't know the band, you don't know that. But, that, you know, that aside. Yep. Totally. Uh, Martin Gore singing Neat. the high parts. It was it, it was really um, I, I think what I was trying to articulate was that it wasn't just that the guitar was there. It was that the song started to be comprised of um, like the main focus of the music itself was comprised on um, traditional rock instruments as opposed to everything being synthesized right down to the drums themselves. It mm-hmm. all sounded so much more like, I, I quote-unquote, normal instruments. It was, it was jarring, but in a really interesting way. Very cool. Acoustic instruments. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I sometimes think of it the way, like, um, if you don't know the career of the Beastie Boys, right, they mm. actually all play instruments and they were kind of a punk band the three of them one played drums one played guitar one played uh bass right so if you listen to the beastie boys for a long time you think of things like fight for your rights a party brass monkey where it's just like um a dj you know spinning and scratching records that they rap over but then you go to um 
check your head and you listen to uh, a bunch of the tracks like Heart Attack Man, of course, Sabotage, they're playing instruments. It's all guitars and drums. And you're just like, wait, I thought the Beastie Boys only did this one thing. So it's it's very cool and interesting to get that. And again, it goes back to kind of the the thing I was trying to instill early on, which is, you know, you have you might have this one idea of what Depeche Mode is, but they have a very wide berth of uh, creativity. So, which you, you know, go. given given that they've been doing music as long as they have, uh, the fact that they continued to evolve during that time instead of just sticking to the to what they know and doing that over and over again is uh, quite impressive. Yeah, because I listened to a band called Funker Vote, V-O-G-T, right? And mm-hmm. they've been doing the same electronic music probably since their inception, because I haven't delved too deep into their past, right? But every record that's come out has been relatively the same, you know, better or worse, whatever you, for, for better or for worse, I'm not knocking it. But you're right, they've been around 20, 30 years, and they've been making kind of the same music, Slayer, Right, same music mm. for thirty years, forty years, whatever. Some bands are okay with that, and some bands evolve. And sometimes that's what you want, you know. Just I want more of what you guys do so well. So hooray for that! But also, yeah. there's something to be said for bands that are willing to continue to to really truly evolve in the way that they create their music, and uh, st- without losing their um, inherent voice. So and yeah. still maintain a win. yeah right, and still maintain a level of relevance. Right. Oh, 40, yeah, true. 40 year career and they're consistently in the top, you know, whatever billboard charts, you know, whatever the yeah. however you want to measure that, you know, nonsense. But uh, good anyway. stuff. Yeah. So um, bring it next- home, Matt. <laughs> Close. You know, this originally was the last <laughs> song for the episode and I can't believe I missed that joke. Uh, but I wanted to end on a different note. So uh, we're going to take uh, we're going to switch it up. This track is called Home. It's also off the Ultra record, if you remember my incessant rambling prior to making the giant mistake, which I am a really good <coughs> podcaster and you've conveniently forgotten about. But now that I've reminded you, you need to forget about it again. So thank you very much. <laughs> this song is called Home. It's going to feature in the beginning uh, Martin Gore singing, and then David Gahan will take over and they will do their usual Depeche Mode harmonies and stuff. Um it's one of my favorite songs when it comes to kind of their slower pace of things. Um, I think a lot of what we've been listening to has been a very moderate to upbeat tempo. This is definitely a little bit slower. Um, I think it's indicative of their atmospheric stuff. Uh, how I mentioned before, they have this uh, ability to create some kind of atmospheric instrumentals that can be a little abstract. Um and you know taken out of context but this totally has lyrics it has martin gore uh singing uh front and center i absolutely love his voice i absolutely love this song i absolutely love this record and i absolutely love this band i need to shut the hell up press play on home off of depeche modes ultra enjoy
Should have 
That was Home off the Ultra Record by Depeche Mode out of uh, 1997. I don't know why I keep saying the date, but it did. Chris, tell me something. Uh, I liked it. Didn't uh, didn't knock, knock my socks off, but I did like the... Um, there were certain points where the strings came in that were just overwhelmingly gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like, oh, wow. Um, I I did like the the change of pace with this guy uh, taking the lead as far as the vocals are concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did genuinely enjoy the song. It's just like, as far as everything we've listened to tonight, this was just in the really good category instead of the <laughs> this is phenomenal category. Uh, good a good choice and a very interesting a uh, uh, a showcase of you know something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for me. Um... I agree with you. I I really do like hearing Martin Gore's voice. There's a couple of songs I think throughout their catalog that he uh he showcased on that um could maybe fall into this category of oh that's good. Um and that's not to knock him. I just think that obviously with David Gahan pretty much at the helm for all the singing, it's it's a tough act to follow. Um yeah, yeah. Yeah, such a unique voice and way of I don't, I don't, crooning's not the right word, but there's something very smooth about the way he sings. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's very unique. Yeah. Um, but that being said, for this particular track, and it's unfortunate because, like I said, I wanted to showcase a bit of Martin. It's David Gahan who comes through for me at the ending when he says it. You know, he he does that big sweeping, feels like home, like yeah, yeah. that. Every time I hear that, I get filled with emotion. Um, mm-hmm. there's, and like you said, those, the, the strings are very moving. They're, they're very beautiful. Like, you know, it's, I don't want to say that I know for certain that those aren't, um, programmed. Um, but there are string musicians on this record. Um, let me double check. Yeah. There's um there's some strings on this record, so you know that that's why it just probably feels so uh, you know moving in that uh, manner. But I mean, we've come so far with uh, sampling technology that you could have told me that it was um you know all programs, and I would have absolutely believed you. So that being said, we have come to the end of our Depeche Mode musical journey. Um, I would be remiss to say that I am very sad about it, but I'm also very relieved because that means I don't have to pine over finding the 10 tracks that I believe encompass what this group has been about, what has what they have meant for me over the years and maybe to many other fans as well. Um, this last song is going to be called uh, It's No Good. Um This is going to be something that's a lot similar to Useless in the respect that it's a more acoustic instrument-driven song. Um, I think... I had said kind of casually that I think Useless has my second favorite bass line. Uh, It's No Good has my first favorite bass line from this band. Um, It's just such a a wonderful track. Um, And again, I'm going to shut the hell up. I'm going to press play on it. I'm going to let you guys listen to It's No Good Off of Ultra by Depeche Mode.
Depeche Mode's It's No Good off the Ultra record. Uh, one of the things I want to actually kind of uh, recant was um, I got this confused with a different song. You know, um, there's so much music. Uh, so when I said acoustic, uh, more like the um, Useless, I was actually thinking of Useless, which is weird because we just listened to it. But mm-hmm. um, even still, the drum kit in this... Um, Without really diving deep into it, I don't know for certain if it's a, a live kit or not. Um, it's no good track four. So, yeah, I think um, I think there's a live drum kit there because uh, there's um, a percussionist uh, given credit on the um, the liner notes, Victor Indrizio. Um, but that drum kit is so solid. Um, 
sonically speaking from the synthesizer's point of view i absolutely love these synths the synth baseline still is I, I stick by it. it's my favorite baseline they've ever made these like sweeping synthesizers and stuff um but as a whole i i absolutely love that track um and i didn't mean to set you up for it because <laughs> you have your own opinion i'm sure chris tell me how you felt about that well you certainly chose to end on a cool song Yes. I think out of everything we've listened to today, this is the one that exudes cool the most. This is, um, it feels a bit more, um, it feels a bit more modern in the sense of like, it's, uh, you know, we're, we're in 1997 now. So it's like, it is keeping up in, in, with the times of what was going on in 1997 musically, but also being distinctly Depeche Mode. It's, um, it is cooler than, uh, quote unquote, cooler than, uh, the stuff that had came before it, um, but it handles that with extraordinary grace, like the ability to um, assimilate to what was happening at the time without getting lost in it. Um, I can't think of them right now, but there are definitely examples of older bands that attempted to adapt to what was happening in music at the time and kind of lost their way a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm. and, you know, th this happens a lot. And in fact, it happened once with Dispatch. Um, they have uh, they're a great record, America Location 12. There are a couple of uh, um, songs that fall into the uh, trappings too much of what was incredibly popular at that exact moment in time of like the, uh, I think somebody once called it hoop clap music, like uh, <laughs> I, I forget the name of the band, but it was like a stylistic thing that was like, there were a couple of songs on the record that were like, oh, you're doing what's popular right now instead mm -hmm. of really just doing what you do. Um, and you know, it, sometimes bands do that. And this, the, this definitely was not the case. This was a loved the baseline. Just like you said, it was a very, very cool baseline. Um, really solid stuff but it just if there's one word that sums up my thoughts on that song it was very cool and a great great way to finish off uh at least the ones we're discussing for the episode good good track good pick you have a hundred percent sold me on this band this Woo! is excellent stuff that's that's so great to hear and uh i know i jokingly heavy-handedly made some um you know suggestions listen to this listen to that um but uh, I will absolutely talk about Depeche Mode, Depeche Mode all day and all night. And if you want some more personalized, uh, um, you know, if you want to hear the songs that didn't make the cut, Chris, just let me know, and I will <laughs> I will flood your inbox <laughs> with songs <laughs> that didn't make the cut um, that were on the list but didn't make the cut. They were on the the long list. Um, I'm I'm absolutely over the moon that uh, that you're 100 percent on board with Depeche Mode there. Like I said at the beginning, one of my favorite bands of all time. I, I have the utmost thanks to uh, my good friend Dave for really not only just kind of putting them back on my radar as far as they're better than their singles, they're more than their singles, but really always being like a staunch fan and mm -hmm. saying, hey, did you hear the new Depeche Mode? And then me going, oh, oh my God, I didn't even know. And then, you know, doing these things <laughs> and then just becoming so in love with them and then really finding people in life who are like, oh my God, I'm a huge Depeche Mode fan, just getting to talk about it and stuff. Because we're all out there, right? All the Depeche Mode fans. Um, Clearly. Yeah. So, yeah, that song is definitely their coolest song. I mean, I, talk about, I talked about it before. My vision of Depeche Mode is through the lens of Anton Corbinge. If you think about it, if you're just bored on the internet one day, just look it up and you'll just see like how cool they look. 
They're all sleek, leather jackets, wraparound cool. sunglasses, black and white. They just exude cool. Like, David Gahan, to me, has always been cool. He's got the cool voice. He's always looked good. He's got, like, the... Sometimes he looks like Jesus with the long, flowing hair and the little goatee. And then sometimes he's clean cut with, like, a coif and a pompadour it's like this guy can do no wrong he's in he's always in a suit he's like heroin chic you know heroin thin right and uh, so good and they're just so talented on top of it like come on guys save some from the rest of us man <laughs> but i digress um this yeah, is let's the, let's let's wrap it up we've yeah. been at it, at it for a long time yep this is the part where i read the ending so yeah we here at Turning Tracks are incredibly grateful for everyone who listens. Uh, we love communicating with you any way we can, and we have a couple of ways that we could do that. There's the Geek Aid Discord channel in which Turning Tracks chat uh, has its own chat, rather, uh, where we discuss all manner of music, uh, things relating to music, production, the whole nine. You can reach out to us. Uh, there's always uh, the email, which is tried and true. That's mail at geekaid.com. And while you're at it, you can check out all our social media channels, which you should totally like, follow, and subscribe if you haven't done already. Turning Tracks and other Geek Aid podcasts are made possible thanks to the Geek on Geek Aid Patreon page. That's a mouthful, right? There, patrons can get access to monthly podcast topic and recording schedule. Uh, sure. Get early access to most of Geek Aid shows, including this one and more. And if you've ever enjoyed our podcast over the years, follow the link in the description and give it a look. We really appreciate it. Um, finally, as always, be sure to check out all the other great content we have on our site over at geekade.com. As always, we end the show with a final song, and I think you and I have started to unconsciously uh, make dedications uh, while doing these song, uh, final songs. Um, for me... Well, uh, before we get to that, we've got to oh, announce what next episode. Oh my god! Be, right? I'm so sorry. I'm <laughs> I'm on a collision course for the ending of the show. I apologize. That's okay. Great. I, I got to go pick up some kids from a bus stop in about 15 minutes, so we got to yeah, got to wrap it up. But yes, Chris, uh, it's, yeah. hit hit me with your next uh, your next band. Who are we going to listen to next? So uh, you went back to uh, the 1980s for uh, oh. for Depeche Mode. I'm going back even further to. Uh-huh. The very first band that ever truly influenced me and introduced me to the the wonderful world of music. The oldest band that I can remember enjoying uh, that still is one of my favorite bands to listen to today. We will be listening to the wonderful music of The Monkees. Oh, wow. Huh. I did not expect that. <laughs> Another hard left turn as far as stylistic choices are concerned. But they're one of my favorites. And um, yeah, I, I I knew once I got Dispatch and Fountains of Wayne out of the way, it was either going to be this other band or the Monkees. And that's I got to do the Monkees. I just love them. And I can't wait. <laughs> I cannot lie. I'm I'm not surprised by your choice. <laughs> And and we'll talk about why next time. <laughs> um, well, you guys stay tuned for the next episode of The Monkees. Uh, as I started to say before, we, we've unconsciously uh, started uh, dedicating our final songs to people who have either passed through our lives or are in our lives or will be in our lives. Um, and this song is certainly dedicated to someone that has been in my life for a very long time and uh, will continue to be in my life uh until one of us dies (laughs) sorry Mm -hmm. um 
my wife is a huge Depeche Mode fan, and I took her to see Depeche Mode for the very first time, you know, some 10 years ago. And I love live concerts, but nothing gave me the quite the joy I had to then bringing her to the show. I asked her, um, I need a song. You tell me what your favorite song is. You tell me what song you would like to hear. And she gave me this song. And then we had a conversation about it. Um, which I, you know, it's is just funny. And that's gonna, that's gonna be a conversation that stands between uh, uh, her and I but so I'm gonna dedicate this song to my wife. Um, I love you very much. And the song is called Behind the Wheel. It comes off of music for the masses, the 1987 release uh, by Depeche Mode. Uh, everyone else, you guys have a wonderful rest of your day, evening, whatever it is. And we'll see you next time. Bye.